Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Woody Anna Retrospective right here on planettyro.com. I'm your host, Donald Wonder, and I'm joined by the master of unpopular opinion, the man of supreme awkwardness, the arsehole of the millennia, Simon Rad. The master of the correct opinion. You forgot about that part. No. It doesn't matter if it's popular or not. It's I just the it. right one. I said it the right I said it right the first time. Speaking of which, in, in Simon's name, last time he spoke about the movie 2015's An Irrational Man, who I deal with all the time on this goddamn podcast. Guys, if you miss that discussion, I'll put a link in the top right corner of the YouTube card. Go back and listen to that. In fact, if you haven't noticed, we've been rec- <laughs> we've been reviewing every single Woody Allen movie. God damn, we've done over 50 videos of recordings, whatever you want to call them. Go back in our discussion. Annie Hall, Anteriors, Crimes and Misdemeanors. Jesus Christ, we've done it all. Believe it or not, we've done it all. We're closing the gap. We're nearly at the finish line. And we're getting to a very recent movie. But before that, guys, do not forget spoilers. These movie discussions are always spoilers. Watch the movie first before we get into it and spoil it. And Simon, if you don't mind, as always, why don't you introduce today's movie and then we'll get into the nitty gritty. Oh yeah, and I'm really looking forward to this one because after so many reviews, we're so close. We're actually at last year. Well, not last year, two years ago because it's 2018 now. It's early 2018, but still. But we're in 2016. Can you believe it? I think most people even remember all the promotion that they did for this movie because this is the first of hopefully many to come from Woody Allen's collaboration with Amazon Studios, his new distribution deal. So hopefully we can reference this as the beginning of a, you know, healthy partnership. But the movie's called Cafe Society. I know, what a shock. Woody Allen tackling the problems of white people as usual. Or maybe not. Maybe this is uh, much better than you would expect. At least it was for me. But if you don't know about it, or if you don't remember it, because even with all the advertisement Amazon put behind it, you were one of the many people who skipped this one in the theaters. This is a Woody Allen period piece set in what many consider the golden age of Hollywood. It stars Jesse Eisenberg, who's a returning Woody Allen surrogate, as Bobby Dorfman, a young Jewish boy from New York who basically is fed up with working at his dad's shop as a basic assistant and wants to move out to L.A. Now, Steve Carell plays his uncle, Phil Stern, who is not exactly beloved by Jesse Eisenberg's dad, being the the rich uncle to Jesse Eisenberg's character, Bobby. I believe uh, Steve Carell is Bobby's mom's brother, but he takes him under his wing anyway he's a very busy man very tough to see but eventually he lands an assistant job there to do petty chores deliver letters and so on and so forth but in the meantime on his weekends he's being shown around by steve carell's assistant played by christian stewart a longtime collaborator for jesse eisenberg they did quite a few movies together they did adventureland and also American Ultra, and of course this one. Mm -hmm. The rest of the cast is also pretty damn good. There are some highlights here. Parker Posey from the last film, An Irrational Man, returns here as Rad Taylor. Talk about a cameo for my name. I never heard that as a first name. You also have people like Anna Camp, who was on True Blood, as Mm -hmm. a, a small little cameo role as the lovely prostitute Candy, who has one short comedic scene with Jesse Eisenberg's character. Yeah. But 
you also have a ton of other people. I mean, um, you have Corey Stoll, who a lot of people know from House of Cards. He was recently an Ant-Man as uh, the villain. I forgot uh, what that character was called. It wasn't too memorable. But Yellow he's a, Jackets. Yellow Jackets. Whatever. But he's a terrific actor. He was Hemingway in, from Midnight in Paris. He plays Bobby's brother, who's <laughs> one of the best characters in the movie. I mean, this guy is a terrific actor when he's given, like, a really elaborate character because he's a great character actor. He's in a wig. He has a completely different accent, a completely different attitude. He even has unique facial expressions here. Really embodies this gangster type character and brings that whole subplot of the movie of him doing dirty business and getting rid of people. And they're really getting their value out of that cement machine. I'll tell you that. <laughs> because almost every scene he's in, they're throwing somebody into the cement. I like how many times they went back to that scene. It was comical. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he, he is hilarious. But basically... What's the mold between all these subplots and all these colorful characters? Well, the mold is love. Sooner or later, Jesse Eisenberg can't help but fall in love with the lovely Kristen Stewart, who really, you know, she became a very good actress over time. A lot of her early performances were monotone, mm. but Woody being an actor's director, she already shines in this movie. She doesn't do a lot of her usual shticks of looking exhausted or looking bored or emotionless or emo or depressed or whatever. She really is just a painting, I think. Like she's uh, painted as this very innocent and kind of, uh, I would say, full of life, ray of light. You know Bobby's what's funny? Life. I kind of disagree with that. And just for a little aside, because I think her whole, um, I think she still radiates this kind of, she does look sad and emo, but the, a credit to her as an actress is she overcomes that. And when I saw her in this movie, I just still think she kind of oozed this kind of, uh, that kind of dreary attitude people did like about her that was in Twilight. But she's such a good uh. actress. She kind of, she makes she owns it and she actually convinces you that she might look that way but that's not actually not who she is and i think in this movie it works really to her advantage so i still think she looks like she's kind of tired and droning and stuff but i think her acting surpasses her face <laughs> well you know uh, you know what you're right because that's where her character goes down to ultimately so maybe in the beginning she has a few moments where they're driving around and she's making fun of all the big houses and talking about how, yeah, a lot of people want that life. They want the big house. They want the swimming pool. But I'm more comfortable in my apartment. She's like – she feels woke. She feels like a woke person who sees behind uh, – you know behind the curtain and beyond well, let the me, Let me let you finish a subplot because I want to dig into it. Let me let you finish what you were saying there anyway. I'll, I'll wrap up actually because I want to hear your opinion. But like you said, her character ultimately – does have you know a negative light to her and she acts that wonderfully because just like she alludes to that there might be more to life than you know the hollywood image bobby himself gets bored of la and decides to move back to new york and at that point they already have a relationship enough naturally according to the times that asks her to marry him but what we didn't know as the audience up until that point, that the big heartbreak in Kristen Stewart's life was no other person than Steve Carell, Bobby's uncle. They had an affair together, and she's secretly still conflicted. Does she love Bobby? Does she love Steve Carell? Where is she going to end up? And when Steve Carell leaves his wife, 
you know, that provides uh, a bit of a conflicting situation for her. And she decides to stay while Bobby goes back and turns his gangster brother's gangster joint into a successful nightclub using some of the connections he made in LA and becomes a high society member himself. That's why the movie's called Cafe Society and finds a newfound, not as passionate, but more appropriate love in the beautiful uh, Blake Lively, uh, who plays Veronica Hayes, I believe. And, and that's all you need to know. And please jump right in. You know what, man? I'm a sucker for these kind of love stories especially when it's you know unrequited love or something kind of gone wrong and i like you mean things mimicking your own life yeah simon because every time we talk about any romance you do you bring this shit up fuck you if you go back to the manhattan <laughs> you go back to the manhattan because <laughs> you jumped to me for this shit and yeah I, I know this is the thing man first of all man people talked a lot of shit about this movie that oh it's not good and this that and the other I was very surprised how much I enjoyed the movie. It's not a perfect movie, but as I just said, I'm a sucker for this kind of love story. It doesn't turn out the way you expect, in a sense. But the thing I like and appreciate the most about the movie is everything is handled with a level of maturity that I was very surprised about. And let me emphasize what I say maturity. Maturity, because there's a lot of movies where they do movies they do romances about love triangles stuff like that and they're very hokey and they're very soapy and you've seen them before this one in the f the first half of the movie the movie feels like it's almost in two halves the first half of the movie where just eisenberg comes to la to hollywood and he's trying to make a life for himself and he falls in love this is a very optimistic story and it ends up being with a love triangle and the way that love triangle evolves could have been his own movie i've seen this movie before it's very predictable but even the way that unfolds the the kind of heartache and betrayal it was done in such a um, actually woody had a kind of a twist on it because it's like two of the characters didn't know that they were in a love triangle with each other until near the end of it and when they both found out you would think the movie would go in a, in a direction where it would play into it and make it some melodrama but no it doesn't the movie's like you know what this is the situation now here's a love triangle uh-oh what are you gonna do and it doesn't end well for Jesse Eisenberg. And then that's the first half of the movie. And then I was kind of like, wow, we're not even halfway through the movie and this has already happened? What's going to happen? And then the second movie is obviously when he goes to, back to New York and he does his brother's club thing. And I just like the maturity of the movie. And I think I'm going to have to give it to the, the actors that just do it so well. Jesse Eisenberg, I really think he did well in this role. At first, he was mimicking that with the other persona a bit I didn't like. But as he went through his heartbreak and moves, I thought he kind of, he got better as the movie went on. And as for um, Bella, <laughs> she was <laughs> absolutely phenomenal. I thought she was the best actor in the movie. She was alluring, sexy. I just think she's a, she's been a fantastic actress. Everything off the part she's done has been really good. And she really does well in this movie. And here's the thing. Uh, p people that watch this movie might not like her character, but everything she does, she actually explains it and she's not just a straight up bitch for what she does she made a choice and it was it was believable so i didn't hate her as for steve carell because i'll let you talk in a minute i thought he was okay i know he's he's tried to diversify himself like in fox catcher he, he tries to do more dramatic roles and here yeah, yeah it's okay i mean he's done the best he could he was in let's not forget he was actually in the other uh Woody Allen movie for a second he was a cameo in Melinda Melinda he was actually Colin Farrell's tennis buddy for like two minutes he might have missed it but second time <laughs> in the Woody Allen movie but 
he's fine. The movie is just about mostly Jesse Eisenberg and Bella. And at the end of the day, the problem I have with the movie is that Woody Allen actually put a lot more into this movie than I think it needed to be. Like, you've got Jesse Eisenberg's family and you've got... Uh, well, Jesse Eisenberg's family, he, Woody Allen puts a bit more spotlight on them than I think he probably should have with his well, sister well, and... The, go on. I, I, I know, I know, I know. But uh, I think they're the comedic vein of the movie because it's almost like his family is every Woody Allen Jewish character yeah. all lumped into one. Yeah. You have the sister who finds newfound love in an atheist who's basically this uh, rational man as opposed to the previous movie, somebody who's just a thinker and he contemplates all day about the meaninglessness of life and that life's true meaning is in its own meaninglessness and he's a humanitarian and they have this awkward relationship with this Republican-ass neighbor they have who's, of course, a fucking bum that just drinks and yells all day and he tries to resolve the conflict with, like, uh, you know, rational discussion and being courteous and keeps he keeps saying that every human needs to care about one another about his fellow man and of course you know <laughs> jesse eisenberg's brother you know played by um i forgot the actor's name cory stole yeah also character is ben ben the gangster of course ben has a very different approach of dealing with the neighbor that i find way more appropriate and effective i think that's uh, kind of the trump voter treatment that you need to give but uh <laughs> You also have Jesse Eisenberg's parents, who are, of course, hilarious. The typical Jewish parents having these arguments, and uh, the Jewish mother being highly critical, constantly going on about the husband, where the husband's criticizing Steve Carell's character, and she's like, you're too stupid to understand him. That's why you don't like him. That was funny. Dumb? And then she was, and he said something like that. You, yeah, look how ugly you are. I didn't marry for looks, did I? And he, <laughs> yeah, because he keeps talking about a Steve Carell's not a real Jew. And she's like, you're not a real Jew either. You fat, you don't have a Jew face, and you're stupid. Yeah. I don't mind that. It, it It's not like it was, it hurt the movie having those scenes in there. It just felt like he had a lot in this movie that, felt a bit superfluous but was still welcome so i'm like i don't mind all the stuff in here but it kind of padded out the movie and then the focus shifted a bit you know and i also felt like um well you know actually before i just jump on criticism the two thorough themes the thorough lines for this movie with i think woody allen's inspiration is probably the most dangerous aspect of woody allen's whole career the thing that has made his career his real life so dangerous is the theme of this movie is ultimately you know the heart wants what it wants. Yep. That's Woody Allen's whole thing. And that's the thorough line to the movie. And it's cool. I like that. I love romances that kind of go down that line. And again, the movie ends in not such a perfect ending. And uh, for some reason, because it's such a big passage of time in the movie, it made it hard to swallow in a two-hour bite. I'm like, I don't want to spoil things. The next discussion we're going to have is about Woody Allen's TV series. Woody Allen had enough content in here for an Amazon TV. This should have been Woody Allen TV series because this movie spans probably 10 years from the, from, oh, at minimum, five or six years. How long do you think time, how much time do you think there was in this movie in terms of story? Definitely a couple of years. I, I would say most definitely at least, uh, well, let me count it, two, three, four, at least five, I would say, at least five because you have multiple pregnancies yeah. plus there's, a, a, you know, at least a year gap 
between him leaving LA, which is basically a second half of his love story angle, then meeting up with Steve Carell and Kristen Stewart back in New York when he's already very successful in terms of managing the club and seeing how she changed. And uh, yeah, you're right. But at the same time, maybe it's just that I really, really like the movie because maybe because this movie really appeals to my own sensibilities. But I love the era. I love both the gangster era. I love uh, classic Hollywood. I think this is the first uh, movie Woody shot on digital. And I got to hand it to him for somebody handling digital for the first time. This is one of his best-looking movies. It looks I mean, amazing. Most, most digital movies these days look so bland and boring and dull and just look like shit. And it makes you wish for film because film has a natural high quality to it. So even when the cinematography is you know, average, you still get that nice texture. Whereas in digital, it just looks like they shot it on an iPhone. Or in Amazon's case, probably one of the crappy Amazon projects they have, you know, with like the the 4D screens and all that crazy stuff. But basically, this movie looks beautiful. And I think the fact that they could use digital editing so easily, I mean, even with when you shoot on film, you can edit on digital. But I just think the pacing improved immensely. A lot of these films that aren't instant classics from Woody Allen kind of tend to dwell on things a bit too long. Mm. The story loses traction. I thought this is a very tightly directed movie, very masterfully done. Woody combines a very cinematic and larger than life aspect to portraying these people's lives with a super realistic character depiction and acting and character arcs. It's like the combination of both of his strengths you know, really molding together beautifully. Yeah. I thought, you know, the love story is so relatable. There's so many characters that feel like people I know and even I recognize myself in them. But at the same time, it's really an escape to uh, an era of the past. And outside of the fact that nobody from the main cast, outside of, you know, Corey Stoll, really tries to capture the accents of the era. You know, nobody <laughs> yeah. sounds like... Like, I'm from the 50s, bye. Yeah, hey, good catch, what's good up, catch. Mac? Yeah, good what's catch. up, Mac? Johnny Stiletto is sleeping with the fishes. I mean, uh, nobody really sounds like uh, Quagmire from, you know, Family yeah, Guy. Shane, I know what you mean, Simon. I know exactly it's what like, you mean. It's curtains for you, Johnny. It's curtains. It's curtains for you, <laughs> Simon. I agree. Yeah. Look, do you know what my... I don't know, man, because I look at this movie... Woody Allen does phenomenal. His best movies are love stories. You know, a Manhattan and Annie Hall... And I look at this and I was watching it and I was like, you're nearly there, but there's something about the execution of the love story. And it's not that it wasn't a successful love story. It's not that, you know, because again, Annie Hall didn't end well and Ziva did not happen. So it's not that. It's just that there was a, there's an edge missing that didn't put this love story in the pantheon of his others. Now, I know that doesn't, it doesn't have to be to be a great movie. It's a good movie. It's a better movie than I heard. People that don't like this movie, I think they're a bit snooty and as for jesse yeah. I, sorry as for lex luther jr definitely the best thing I've, <laughs> definitely the best thing i've seen him in you know in the last couple of years and curse Stewart is phenomenal but you know i don't know man there was something i don't know if it was the there was too much or something or i honestly think there was there was a lot in this movie 
I actually, you know, we never spoke about Blake Lively's character because a lot of people complain that, oh, her character's kind of the afterthought. She just comes to heal Jesse Eisenberg's character. And I'm like, yeah, I wish they gave her something more to do, I guess, but she's fine. For, look, I think there's nothing really wrong with the movie. I just think there's something holding it back from reaching its full potential, but it's not the movie even was... I heard so much bad things about the movie. It's lame. Woody Allen's done better before. Woody Allen's just going back to the well. Let me tell you something. I'll be the first one to tell you but Woody Allen's just going back in that well and doing the same shit. In fact, you might hear me say that very soon. But this time, it was good enough. It was not unique enough, but he he, he had this, he had that he had that idea with the heart what's what he wants with a, not an unrequited love, but a kind of a failed or a what-if relationship. And it did work. But by the end of it, I was kind of like, didn't land in the feels exactly but for me this movie was just good enough and i know i'm being an arsehole even nitpicking the movie this bad but considering what i'm saying about the movie that's a lot better than what other people are saying i think this is a good movie i, I actually really enjoyed it i'm surprised people just like this movie to the extent they do yeah man i didn't understand any of those criticisms like i said the movie had a a lot of promotion and hype behind it, obviously with it being a period piece, uh, you know, Woody having more money to play around with. And it seemed to be, you know, having a good launch, at least here in the UK, it seemed to be the right movie for the right type of audience. They even released a lot of scenes uh, online to m- promote it. It, there's, yeah. it seemed to be getting traction and then it kind of disappeared. It was people like they didn't come back to it during the Academy Awards season. No. And, and maybe it was already the controversies kind of coming back out into the open. I really suspect that none of these actors come out, from my knowledge, so far to denounce Woody Allen, especially, you know, p- people that probably are under fire like Jesse Eisenberg and Kristen Stewart because they're still boycotting everybody who ever worked with well, Woody Allen. Well, these two, I'm glad you brought it up. These two haven't said anything. I think they're, they're, they're yeah. actually still supportive of Woody Allen so from yeah. what I can see. They haven't jumped on the bad wagon. So respected them. And uh, to be honest with you, I'm probably even more positive than you are. I really enjoyed this movie. And I, I was very pleasantly surprised that I just had a great time watching it. Even when, you know, the second half comes in, when Kristen Stewart's character becomes everything she made fun of yeah, yeah. earlier in the f- movie, when she was the woke character who saw beyond, you know, the the image of Hollywood and the empty shallowness of it and becomes a shallow housewife herself. And the movie turns ironic where Jesse Eisenberg, who didn't understand the affair and cheating, even though he expressed un, you know, understanding towards his uncle when his uncle was crying his heart out and he didn't know who the lady in question was. When he starts having second guesses about his own relationship with Blake Lively and this old flame comes back. and even I really, though, That's the maturity I'm yeah. talking about. It handles all yeah. of that stuff in a not this soapy way. I really like the maturity because a lot of movies don't yeah. handle. That's why people like 500 Days of Summer, even though that's a bit more meta. I just like the way it handled it so maturely. And I think it, that, that showed to Woody's writing in his age, you know. And it's the same thing he's done in Manhattan and Annie Hall. But I, I don't know why... I can't feel it reaches that level. But here's the thing. like I've been thinking about this because I enjoyed it watching it so much. And it, the movie does cut off. Like it, it, it has this ending where it doesn't go into the melodramatic of will he leave his wife? Will they yeah. get back together? Is it happy? It's just like they both reach a point of their lives where they realize they still have feelings for each other. But they're already tied into engagements. And they're kind of just unhappy because the heart's 
wants what it wants, and sometimes it wants someone else. And that's a mature conclusion. Now, I'll, I'll throw this question to you because yeah. the movie's very well made. Does it scream that kind of higher art? I don't even know. it. it I don't want to go down the route of interiors of pretentiousness you no, know, sure, with sure. these cr- crazy labels, but... If you compare it to Woody's best, you know something. You know all the movies he personally hates and thinks are mediocre, like Manhattan, yeah. for instance. But <laughs> it, it doesn't really reach that level. But I was thinking about there was. And a I was, phase I was eight. wondering. No, sorry, let you finish. Go on. Yeah, 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 I'm almost done. But basically, I was thinking about uh, a certain phase in, in Clint Eastwood's uh, career as a director, where he did a lot of good movies, directed a lot of good movies back to back. And then he just seemed to keep going for the same theme. So this was around, uh, you know, a million dollar baby, Gran Torino, so on and so forth. Dude, you're so funny for bringing that up because he's got a movie out right now that people are just that train movie, Paris train true story that people are saying that's his problem right now. I want to keep bringing that up. Yeah, and I remember when that Matt Damon uh, movie came out about the tsunami or some natural disaster yeah, where. Yeah. He kind of he was like a medium or something. It was another movie that was really aiming to take the concept to its full potential, like be a uh, you know a serious drama, Academy Award level, and and it even had great special effects when it came to the that tsunami sequence. But it was too much for people. It was too heavy handed. It was like it was trying too hard to reach the same pinnacle that his previous films. And people were like, you know, not every movie you direct has to be a, a, an Oscar winning multi-nominated masterpiece you can just let the story be the story that it needs to be and sit back a bit and just direct the film you don't have to try too hard so i think maybe if this movie was trying to do more things or too many things at the same time with some of these experimental woody Allen movies like melinda melinda or uh, to rome with love where you have a multiple storylines or some sort of gimmick maybe it would have turned out in the opposite direction Maybe the fact that it's so focused on what it wants to do and Woody makes it look so easy to direct this, on one hand, emotionally complicated Lutz story with such maturity and making it so relatable, even though it's a period piece, but still not letting the fact go that this can be very exciting and very inviting to kind of paint a picture of this uh, this uh, this old period, you know, this... Uh, it's very cinematic, like both the gangster era, New York, Los Angeles, the stars of Hollywood, you know, the golden age of Hollywood. He totally owns up to it and really paints those pictures. But at the same time, he pulls a twist and deconstructs all those elements and says, okay, how does this boil down to real life? What does it really matter to live in that world? And what are your real priorities or what your real priorities should be? It feels like the two main characters are the happiest when they're broke, but they have each other. And when they become successful and happily married later on, they're actually miserable. Even, uh, you know, Ben, my favorite character, the motherfucking gangster, even his storyline wraps up super realistic. Where they actually arrest him, he gets the best lawyers, but he still gets convicted and ends up in the electric chair. Oh, please tell you know? me that joke that his mum said when when they were talking about it, like, he's converted to Christianity and his dad's like, yeah, because he wants to believe in the afterlife. And what did she see? She said something really fucked up. Oh, that, like, oh yo, because they didn't know how deep he was into the game. Yeah. So she was like, uh, first it turns out he's a killer. 
then he converts to Christianity. Yeah. So he's a he's a murderer and a Christian. I don't know which one's worse. What did I do to deserve this? <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. And then uh, that's oh, when no, that's dude. when the dad was like, "Yeah, but you know, he wants to believe in the afterlife." He's like, "She's like, so you know, so what? You just so die, what? you go. You die, you die. You know, what's the problem?" Funny. And, and, he, and his dad is like, "I'm not bothered by it." And she's like, "Cause you're too stupid to think." about the consequences that's why you're not bothered by it yeah i, I honestly <laughs> wasn't bothered by the side stuff like i said and i i guess i want this movie to be great when it's just really good and that's you know that's a weird thing for me to even have as criticism but guys let's not try this on i'm not gonna there's no need for me to tell off anything you said simon you really much said it all i've got nothing much to say except for you know going on the review scores looking at it this is really weird because i'm on Rotten tomatoes right now and actually, this is the best reviewed Woody Allen movie in this, since Blue Jasmine. It's 70% on the bottom tomato meter. It's over 50% from the, the audience score, the people's. But the reviewers are still like, people are very disappointed. At the end of the day, I think, again, people are holding Woody Allen up to his own high standard. You know, actually, I think the most ironic thing is, I think people are actually being Woody Allen. Like, the movie's whatever. <laughs> they criticize the movie as bad as he would. It's on that. Yeah, you think it's great? I think it's shit. But it's not Stardust Memories. You know, it, it, it's not as good. You know, nobody has a has a, a, a fever dream about a dead rabbit. You know, it doesn't have that high art and that and that elegant artistic twist to it. You know. Yeah, man. I do want to end on saying this, man. I don't say this a lot in the retrospective, even with the movies I love. But you know what? I actually want to watch this movie again. Because I'm a I'm a sucker for these kind of romances, and then for some reason, I feel like I would get more from watching it a second time. It's just how I feel, and this is for me surprisingly a high recommendation. Saying that, do I think it's in his top ten Woody Allen movies? Probably not, or if it is, the near bottom of the ten. But I really enjoy this movie, and for me, it has high rewatchability, which I have not said a lot. If you listen to me in all these discussions, oh yeah. And I'll second that. To me, it's very enjoyable. And it's definitely one of the best films that came out in 2016. I think that's what's really missing in terms sure. of the perception of this movie. That, okay, Woody Allen has done, quote-unquote, better movies or more commercial movies or films that are easier to kind of praise and hold in high regard. But compared to everyone else, this is still really, really good. Yeah. You know, compared to a lot of movies that came out in 2016, this is much better and you know really deserved a higher spot i think we're just used to especially i think uh between the second half of uh the second half of the 2000s and the 2010s of woody doing experimental movies in between and then coming back with a home run so when he does something that's actually just really really good and really enjoyable you're like i don't know how to how to how to how to rate this movie or how to really approach it cuz on one hand, I really had fun with it, but on the other hand, is this another match point? It's not really match point, yeah. but then again, what is? You know, yeah. so to me, it's it's a victim of its director's own success or own high caliber standards. But yeah. on its own, as a 2016 drama slash comedy, I guess light drama, it's really freaking good. I really recommend it. This is a beautifully shot movie a very well told story with some great acting and again you know steve Carell, he's trying to diversify his character he was good in um what was that wall street movie 
about oh, all the assholes. About all uh, the assholes. Oh, shit, it's got a uh, one-word title or something. There's something or... Uh, see, uh, we're both blanking on it. Ryan Gosling and Christian Bale. Uh, with your girl, you don't even want to defend Itonia right now. <laughs> Uh, that's a, that's a different yeah, yeah, discussion. Stop, stop, stop with the spoilers to a different discussion. Well, Marco <laughs> Roby, yeah. Yeah. I, I forgot. I just keep thinking about Moneyball with Brad Pitt. But it's I know. It's got a name that... The, anyway, whatever, guys, listen. Yeah, and, and he was good in full Foxcatcher. So, again, yeah. he's a treat in here, too. Point yeah. is, well-directed, well-told, well-acted. This movie's a treat. It's really fun to watch. And I think even though it doesn't have a big Hollywood ending or a happy ending in the traditional sense, it's still a good romantic movie to watch with, you know, a significant other. So sure. 100%. And you know what, man, Amazon, we're very happy with this because they were like, Woody, the first time you're with us, you give us a gem critics, audience like it a lot. He probably made a lot of money. I didn't check on the budget right now, but you know what, Woody? Uh, (laughs) Not that much. All right. But you know what, Woody? Amazon, we are Amazon. We've got this TV section that we're trying to rival that big company Netflix <laughs> with. So why don't we give you another fat check and you write us a TV series? And let me tell you something right now. I'm not getting into too many spoilers, but I wish Cafe Society was that television series. And if you want to find out why in more detail, check out on its discussion because we are going to be talking about Woody Allen's Amazon series crisis in six scenes just to complete this retrospective so on that note i'll leave you guys hanging and say thank you for simon for joining me on another recording right at the finish line ah it was good i'm actually glad we got to do this for movies like this because i missed this in theater we were going to watch it and then i i don't remember but somehow we got sidetracked and missed it in theaters maybe because nowadays they put movies out for like two weeks and then it's gone yeah done well, the movies that, you know, if it's not a superhero movie, then it ain't going to be there for more than fucking a week. But on that note, guys, the sad truth is, and I'm no one being hyperbole when I say this, we might even never get another Woody Allen movie in the theaters if things go a certain way. So <laughs> stay tuned, guys. Subscribe to the channel if you want to follow us on the retrospective. Don't forget, we've got the playlist there for the Woody Allen retrospective. We've got the website, WoodyAllenRetro.com. Thank you for listening, guys. Again, just thanks for all the love, support, listening on the podcast. We'll leave it at that, guys. We're near at the finish line. And until then, we'll see you on the next recording.